0: Hey everyone, a quick little disclaimer before we get into episode 5 here, Uh, we just want to let you guys know that none of the NBA craziness that went down on Wednesday night of this last week had occurred when Justin and I recorded this, so obviously we won't be touching on any of that in this episode, but there is a lot to talk about, so we will definitely cover it in the future, so look forward to that. Uh, We'll give all our thoughts on everything that went down, and we'll probably go down in the days to come thanks for listening and uh hope you enjoy episode five hello everybody welcome back to another enthralling episode of the expansion buddies podcast we are on episode five halfway to double digits already uh for our eight listeners out there thank you so much for sticking around this long i'm your co-host jared miller And I'm your other co-host, Justin Wright. No guests this week. It'll just be the dulcet tones of our two voices again. So, Oh, dulcet tones. That's a a pretty nice (laughs) word. That's a $10 word if I've ever heard one. Uh, And uh, before we get going, I want to just give a little shout out to my counterpart here, Justin Wright, who I found out just the other day is the head coach of the junior high football team in Hot Springs, Montana. So you are talking to a bona fide football coach now. Yes,
1: sir. I am officially, uh, I've made it into the big time. Me and Andy Reid have been on conference calls the past couple of weeks. You know, basically after the season's done, I'm I'm getting
0: called up to the big leagues. I can feel it. I told him when I found out, yeah, Bruce Arians better watch out. He's coming for that job (laughs) in Tampa Bay. (laughs) I'd love that job. That'd be a lot of fun. All right, so we've got a lot of stuff to discuss today, but before we get into the main stuff... Uh, Justin, I know you said you wanted to give a quick little shout out.
1: Yeah, I wanted to just say congratulations to Buda Baker for getting his extension with the Cardinals. He's a player I really have liked watching play uh over the past year and uh I'm happy that he got his extension. He got a four year fifty nine million dollar extension. Dang. I think he's uh I think he's a fairly underrated player, and I know watching uh one of the that's good sports videos he also agrees with that. He
0: is a good player. I just wish he'd get out of the NFC West, but... Or onto the Seahawks. Or or stay in the NFC West and come to Seattle. Either one. Uh, I've got a little shout-out to give, too. I just want to give a congratulations to Nick Nurse and the Toronto Raptors for moving on in the NBA playoffs. I know I'm a Trailblazers Damn. fan, but I have voiced my unwavering support of Nick Nurse. Um, I think yes, he's a great have. coach, and I... I'm happy to see them going on to the second round to play the Boston Celtics. It should be a great, great series, and I'm pulling for the Raptors. Yeah, it should be a good one. So,
1: I had a topic that I neglected to tell you that I wanted to talk about. Fire away. So, Let's it's, it's not really a current event, but we have just passed the one-year anniversary of Andrew Luck announcing his retirement from the NFL. We did today, right? Tuesday. Yes, it was this week. That is the biggest, I think, what if that I will see as a football fan during my lifetime. What if he hadn't retired? Where would he have ended up? You know, he was probably on track to be a Hall of Famer, definitely a Super Bowl winner.
0: That was a crazy situation all the way around because let's just forget about for a second the craziness surrounding him announcing it. Uh, they were Colts were coming off a season in which they went to the – AFC divisional round, and they yeah they put up a decent fight against the Chiefs before losing out of the playoffs, but it really had a lot of people hoping and uh, optimistic that Indianapolis might go further that next year in 2019. And then, you know, the preseason, I believe it was preseason week three hits, and th- the news breaks via Twitter. Yeah, during during a Colts preseason
1: game, and the thing that I will never forget – is when that broke and the videos came out of the way the fans treated him after that, or during and after that game, I was just appalled.
0: Oh, so was they, I.
1: They were booing him. People were making horrible comments. It just – I I oh, will
0: – I know. That is the
1: ugly side of fort, sports fandom, and I know it happens with all teams they get that way, but I will never forgive You know, Colts fans – well, I shouldn't say all Colts fans because not all Colts fans felt that way, but
0: no, but if, definitely the ones in the building that day.
1: <laughs> that's I just I cannot fathom the disrespect they had.
0: This yeah. is a man
1: that is trying to make the best move for himself and his family, and he had been hurt several times, and everybody knows that for a long time the Colts had a terrible O line. They finally started to fix that when they picked up uh, Quentin Nelson, and they they really started
0: to shore that up, but. Andrew Luck had come off of some big injuries, you know? Yeah. Well, and here's like, I remember too after all the ugliness that happened in Indianapolis that day, the thing I did like was so many fellow NFLers jumped to his defense. I remember JJ Watt said about the fans, he said, you guys only see what we do three hours every week. You don't see the grueling, Training and practice that we put in for the rest of the week behind closed doors. And the bottom line is, nobody knows their limits and their body's tolerance and how they're feeling more than the athletes themselves. And I think that's what people Mm -hmm. forget. So, in yeah, it was just a really bad situation all the way around. And I remember when it happened and the horrible reaction he was getting was, I just remember thinking, I hope the colts don't win a game this year like i don't i feel bad saying that for their other players but the fans do not deserve a successful season after that you know
1: andrew luck is a player that i don't care who he had played for i would have just loved that i i just he was a fun player to watch he was the epitome of epitome of being a nice guy i mean holy cow you you, you've seen the videos where he was mic'd up, he'd get knocked down and say, hey, that was a good hit, man. Good job.
0: Oh, yeah. Him and Luke Keekley were the two nice guys yeah. of the league. And it was such
1: a profound moment for me as a football fan, seeing how he got treated. And, you know, I cannot imagine the hardship that he went through after his injuries and having to rehab. And that's going back to, like, Alex Smith, him coming back. I cannot be- I cannot fathom the stress and mental anguish of getting hurt in such a way that you know that you're not gonna be able to you know, Smith potentially could have died.
0: He was Yeah, that point it almost. was that bad. I mean, he almost lost his leg. Yeah. It was such a bad yeah. injury. From going to that where
1: he you know, death or permanent bodily injury where Andrew Luck, you know, there was a time when he was out of the out for injury, where there was a lot of speculation if he'd be able to ever return. Um, but coming from that point to then, you know, win Andrew Luck, did turn, playing some of the best ball of his life. Yeah, it's just I can't imagine that jump. It's kind of the same thing actors when they go from you know super super skinny to super super uh,
0: fat for roles. Like it's the stress that yeah. that
1: puts on your body and your mind. I just I cannot fathom it.
0: Yeah, well, I don't know, we have no idea what those athletes go through on a day to day basis, even if they are healthy, you know, just the amount of work they put in. And it is a it is a job. I think people forget that sometimes, but it is. a job. I
1: agree. And you know what, Andrew Luck, if you are listening, or you ever come across this, just know that I will, I and the expansion buddies will always stand behind you 100% for your decision to retire. Good on you for making the
0: right decision for yourself. Always, always going to be pro-athlete when it comes to stuff like that. I loved Andrew Luck when he came out of Stanford, and I hate Stanford. So that should tell you (laughs) exactly what kind of player and person I think he is. Yeah. So So, moving on from that. (laughs) Now that we've looked back on someone with uh, shimmering eyes, let's look back at someone with not so much. No, yeah, um, uh, we'll just get this one out of the way. It was big in the sports world this last week. Uh, we'll be talking about baseball again, and it seems like every time we do this year, we're not talking about baseball for the right reasons. Yeah, well, I was making a point to you the other day
1: when we were talking. Baseball feels like it's been cursed this year.
0: Yeah, there's been some bad things, and then there's there's been some bad things, and then there's been this, which is on a whole – stupid other level. For some context, last Wednesday night, the Cincinnati Reds are playing a double header against the Kansas City Royals. And I believe with the MLB's shortened season rules this year, if teams play a double header in the same day, the games are only seven innings long. So the first game had just wrapped up. I don't even know who won. I think Cincinnati won the first game. Doesn't matter. Reds broadcaster, longtime broadcaster, Uh, in sports in general, Tom Brenneman was on the mic that night. And between games, or right after the first game, the MLB.com stream, whatever their paying subscription is, I believe is the only one where this was caught. But it was coming back from a commercial break. And Brenneman didn't know that he was back. And he uttered a very horrid homophobic slur that went out over the airwaves. And so fans watching on the MLB stream heard it. Uh, We obviously will not say what it was. If you really want to know badly enough, it's out there. You can find it. And my first thought was just shock because like I said, Tom Brenneman has called other things besides being the Reds play-by-play guy, which he started doing in 2006, And he's called some really big-time sports moments. He called the 2003 National League Championship Series between the Cubs and the Florida Marlins. That was the series that had the game in which the Cubs fans turned on their fellow fan for reaching out and knocking away a foul ball that they think could have been caught by an outfielder. Um, He was on the call that night. He was on the call when Appalachian State University beat Michigan in the season opener in 2007, one of still the greatest upsets in sports history. And then he was on the call, not even eight months earlier in the Fiesta Bowl when Boise State, who were not nearly as revered as they are today, upset Oklahoma. He's been part of some huge sports moments and he is. It just, I'm still baffled that his career with so many things on his resume went up in flames the way it did on a Wednesday night in mid-August for a Cincinnati Reds game because of what he did. I, I mean, I'm just kind of still at a loss for words for it. I don't know how you feel about it, Justin, but I'm still trying to wrap my head around it.
1: Well... I listened, I, I watched the clip of him, uh, you know, saying what he said. The first thing that came to mind is he's clearly talking to someone else in the studio, and it sounds like just casual conversation that he's making. So it's not like this is something new that he started doing. Not at all. I would imagine it's something that he's been doing for a long time. So yeah, well, I think it was just a matter of time until he got got caught or, you know, something happened like this. And I think, you know, this is one of those if you make the bed, you got to lie in it kind of
0: situations, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's got no one to blame but himself. And then to to make that night weirder, he gets yanked from game two that he's calling in the fifth inning. And he gives an on-air apology. And in the middle of it, he has to call a home run that the Reds hit. Has to being – he didn't have to. Yeah, no. He chose to. yeah. Yeah, that's a better um, way of putting it.
1: I, I'm i glad you brought up the apology because that's something that I saw. And I was like, the whole
0: thing, like his apology, trying to say like, oh, I didn't mean it. It's like, you did mean it. Oh, yeah, he went to the tried and true. Well, that's not the kind of person I am. And I'm a man of faith. Well, that is the person you are. And uh, if you hadn't been caught on a mic tonight, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it, it really
1: bothers me that anybody would accept such an apology. Uh, a a poor apology because to me you can see it's not genuine he stops in the middle to call a play um some people are like oh it's just ingrained in him at that moment there are things bigger than baseball yeah and again it just doesn't seem genuine i didn't want to hurt anybody you call what you said you were calling a city some unnamed city yeah yeah some unnamed city you called it the the word blank. he used, I will not, yeah, yeah, the blank capital of the world in reference to its, you know, its, its LGBTQ, excuse me, community. And he didn't say it in a, you know, it's not a positive word. You could definitely assume he's not saying it in a positive light. You, you clearly did mean to offend somebody. You, you did mean it with offense. You did mean it with, with vitriol and hate. You just didn't mean to say it into a hot mic. Yeah. You didn't mean to get caught. And that just really grinds my gears. It really pisses me off when people take that.
0: Well, I didn't mean it when they get caught. It's like, no, you did mean it. You didn't yeah. mean to get caught. Well, and if you listened to his apology, he, you, he said this sentence and I can't believe he said this sentence in his apology. He said, I'd like to apologize to the people that signed my paycheck. Like good Lord. Like it, he could not have been any more transparent in who he was sorry to and for. It just, it's appalling. And what makes it all the more sad or angering, or I don't know what the word even is at this point. His father, Marty Brenneman called, was the play-by-play guy for the Cincinnati Reds for 40 some odd years. A revered announcer down there. He called the Reds in their last three World Series seasons, And he is the name Brenneman up until about a week ago had a really positive light on it in the city of Cincinnati. I mean, his son, Tom was, you know, on track to retire in the same way his dad did. And then it just all like in a matter of seconds, just all went up in flames. And then you hear some people say, well, this is why they always teach you treat every mic as if it's on and all this stuff and it's like no that's not the issue here like the issue is not that he got caught saying that the issue is that he is saying that and he's comfortable saying that in a work environment with colleagues I don't I don't know I'm just like I said I'm still a little bit flabbergasted by it all because I'll admit there was a time that I really enjoyed listening to Tom Brenneman call yeah. games whether they were baseball or football or what I really I thought he was a very talented announcer I guess he still is but it just yeah
1: and I'm sure people will you know say like oh well he was and I don't I guess I don't know exactly how old he is but I'm sure people are going to use oh you know, he was raised during a different time he grew up during a different time it, he had different values sure that may be true but I really like the phrase "change is inevitable, growth is optional." Times are changing. Whether you like it or not, you can either choose to be stuck in your your old, bigoted, backwards ways, or you can change. You can be try to become more accepting. You know, but, when I was in high school and middle school, I I definitely said some things I regret now. You know, nothing of I don't think this horribleness, but some kind of crappy things and it wasn't until you know i i got later into high school and into college where i started making you know new friends and different connections and like man if i say kind of stuff like that i know now the people that it affects and
0: yeah well and you, you just open your eyes up to the world we're living in a very progressive thinking time as far as social issues like that go and uh yeah i don't care if you were raised up to think that way or the point is even if in your heart of hearts you strongly feel that way keep it to yourself no one wants to hear it if there was any positive that I took away from that situation was after the game and the news had been floating around of what happened a bunch of Cincinnati Reds players took to Twitter took to social media and said that the Reds is an organization we welcome all with open arms and we mm-hmm. we do not stand by with what he said tonight and As of now, as of the time of recording this, as far as I know, Brenneman has been suspended indefinitely by the Reds. And the NFL, Fox Sports, his other employers have said, well, he's not calling NFL games this year. He was usually on their third broadcast team for Fox, I believe. And I don't know who they're going to get to replace him this year. But he, he won't be on the air for a good long while. Um, and it's how it should be. He shouldn't be good. Yeah, I agree. So let's, let's leave that in the dust where it belongs. <laughs> Justin, I'll let you take charge of this next topic. Yes, I know let's you're... talk Earl Thomas. Oh my goodness. The circus act that has been Earl Thomas ever since his dying days in Seattle. He has been just a
1: character to watch. Oh Whoa. my word. Yeah. <laughs> That's one <laughs> way just... to put it. I keep seeing his name in the news, and I'm like, is that the same Earl Thomas again? What's going on now?
0: <laughs> and I'm just always so surprised. Like, what do you mean he did? Oh, yeah. I think anyone who knows anything about Earl Thomas or football knows what his last year has been like, his last calendar so year. <laughs> his, his escapades have just
1: been, like, exponentially growing. So it's let's go of- back. Watching
0: an episode of Jersey Shore, like if yeah. you think about it. <laughs> You're horrified, but you can't put down the popcorn. It's like a train wreck, yeah, you can't help but watch. So let's talk about when he was in Seattle. He won a Super Bowl with the Seahawks. Yeah, very part- instrumental part of our defense in that stretch. I loved him to death, honestly. Earl was one of yeah. my favorite players on the team ever since he came in in 2010. So I'll be the first to say I he, he's one of my favorite guys. Near the end of his career, he was definitely not – happy
1: he was looking for an extension with the Seahawks yeah um not getting it the front office seemed to not want to give him an extension I don't and I know he was
0: very upset with Pete Carroll as well yeah it was a lot of bullheadedness on both sides one thing I will always commend Earl for though in that last season with us he had threatened to hold out and then last minute kind of he decided to come back without any huge extension or agreement because he's basically said, well, my teammates are more important and I can't, I can't quit on them. And so I, I will always give him a nod for that. And as he's said multiple times, he's
1: like, I don't regret butting heads with Pete Carroll, but if it affected my teammates, I do regret that. Yeah. But leading up to that, there's the very famous clip of him running after the then Cowboys head coach, and saying, hey, if you can come and get me, come and get me. And basically saying he wants to go to Dallas.
0: Yeah, that was after our playoff loss to them a couple yeah. of years ago in the wild card round. I remember that. That was kind of when it first started to go south in Seattle, I feel like. And then the next fall, his final season with us uh, where he got injured – we were playing Dallas in week three, I think it was, maybe two. And it was mm-hmm. in Seattle. And I remember he had a heck of a game against the Cowboys. He had like two interceptions and on his second one. I remember he like jogged over to the Cowboys bench and then did this big exaggerated bow, almost as in like that was an audition for
1: their team. And I know he's from Texas. so You could see kind of why he would want to go there, but that's not maybe the best way to go about it. But I digress. I'm not a football player, maybe um but then of course he later breaks his leg i think it was when the hawks were playing the cardinals
0: yeah we were down in arizona and i think it was the week after that dallas game i was just talking about it was shortly after that Hmm. but he breaks
1: his leg and very famously as he's getting carted off the field he turns and looks at pete carroll and gives him a big middle finger he flips him the bird and that was the last play he or the last game he ever played for seattle Of course, then he goes on and is signed by the Ravens for a pretty sizable chunk of money. Four years, I remember, if I remember correctly, was what the contract was. Uh, There was speculation that he was going to go to the Chiefs. They ended up, of course, going with Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger, who, in my personal opinion, I think is always the better choice. He, He has proven himself time and time again that he's a good leader, good locker room man as well. But Earl Thomas, of course, ends up in Baltimore. Plays an okay season. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens definitely play a different defensive style than the Seahawks a little bit. Earl Thomas was end up, he was a strong safety rather than just a safety and didn't have as good of a season. Although he had some of his first career sacks. Yeah. Um, showing that he could still play. Oh yeah. Yeah. He could still, I think he could still play now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree. Uh, yes, absolutely. I shouldn't say that that was ever in question, but showing that he's not out of that, you know, uh, one of the videos I watched, I think it was that's good sports again said he's not in the top five anymore, but he's still probably in the top 15.
0: Yeah, he's definitely not what he was in his heyday, but he's still a very solid safety.
1: Yes, but anyway, so then you get to this off season and oh my word, that man just... I feel like he just lost his mind.
0: Starts to go off the rails a little bit.
1: he is caught with his brother with prostitutes and they're caught by their wives.
0: Yeah, that was... Um, uh... Ooh, that was Makes crazy. for an awkward Thanksgiving, I'm sure. Yeah.
1: um, His wife holds a gun to his head for cheating. It's just a wild ride.
0: And, and it was, I'd like to point out real quick, after a unceremonious end to his first and only season in Baltimore, as it turned out, uh, I yeah. remember that after the Tennessee Titans beat the New England Patriots in the wildcard round, Earl Thomas famously or infamously took to social media and said, Well, he said, it looks like the Patriots didn't know how to tackle Derrick Henry. And then the following week, (laughs) the Titans came to town and Derrick Henry, I mean, I'm sure any sports fan out there by now has seen that still shot of Earl Thomas completely turned around backwards, trying to find Henry, who's right behind him. And (laughs) Derrick Henry made a fool of Earl Thomas in that game of the whole team. But yes, Earl specifically.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, I just stiff armed him as Earl just can't.
0: Yeah, so back um, to the crazy
1: offseason. Yes, his marital escapades, and then it all ends up culminating in during practice or training camp at, with the Ravens, he ends up in a fight with one of the other safeties. And the Ravens were like, okay, we're done. They, they, they've been, there's been lots of information out there saying basically we're done. We don't, we don't want him here anymore. Get him out of here. One of the things I saw um, from CBS's article is they, one of their sources said he was the most disliked guy in the locker room. So that kind of shows me that besides being, you know, off field, you know, maybe not giving out the right kind of headlines, so to speak. Cause that's not necessarily, you know, going and sleeping with prostitutes and having your wife hold a gun to your head, maybe not the best, Publicity, no (laughs) publicity to be associated with the Baltimore Ravens, coupled with it, it sounds kind of like he was just rock locker room cancer, and they want to get him out of there. Although, I will say, there's you know, some folks I, I was told you, I was just watching the Pat McAfee show, and they were talking about it. That you know, some people are saying, you know, it's kind of a weird situation, it seems like, because this seems like something that the Ravens would have wanted to handle in-house. And that was a point I hadn't heard until I watched that. And it was, you know, like they were saying, you know, usually these team meetings with the team leaders, they're usually kept kind of secret in confidence and that's handled in-house. But this, there's been a lot of leaked information, a lot of information given out. So it, it lends itself to what else is maybe going on.
0: I I think, personally, nothing can derail a potential championship-caliber team or season faster than one or two rotten apples in the locker room. It's something that I don't think a lot of people think about, but the term, as you phrased it, locker room cancer, it's a real thing, and it, it can really be detrimental to the overall success of a team in any sport. Yeah. And uh just to take it back to Seattle real quick, the year after Seattle won their Super Bowl, the in the 2014 season following that a big surprise move that Pete Carroll did was it was like 6 or 7 weeks into the season, he just cut Percy Harvin seemingly out of the blue. A lot of people, myself included, were kind of shocked by that until you read into it and it's like, okay, yeah, he's kind of the same sort of deal. He was Uh, not very well liked in the locker room he was causing problems you know in-house and I think the mindset was just get it out just completely Mm -hmm. cut it free and I yeah Yeah,
1: cut the tumor loose yeah
0: and I think that's
1: you know they talk a lot about intangibles you know when you're leading up to an NFL draft like players got skills but do they have the intangible things that you can't necessarily measure and I think that locker room leadership ability or just like being able to be a productive member of the locker room is one of those intangibles that you can't account for. And I think it's pretty safe to say that Earl Thomas does not have that locker room mentality. It's, and, you know, going back to Tyron Matthew, the honey badger, I think that's why he is such a great player. Not only is he, you know, very skilled, but he has shown with his time in Kansas city and, and in, in Arizona with the Texans as well that he can help turn a defense around and be a good leader. And I think that's why he has ended up being such a hot commodity around the NFL. Like I follow him on Twitter, the man like he, he's hungry, he wants to win, he wants to be a champion. Yeah. His his head's in the right spot for yeah. sure. And I think any defense that has him gets an immediate boost. And you know, that's something that's this person that I think now the Baltimore Ravens could really use kind of get their defense back on track, but unfortunately he is with the Chiefs now. And
0: I'm imagining he's probably going to stay there for a little bit. Yeah. Earl Thomas wore out his welcome pretty fast in Baltimore, obviously, but I don't think the Ravens need him quite honestly, as badly as Seattle did when he left.
1: No, I I, I think
0: the Ravens are still going to be fine. And, And, you know, ever since Thomas left kind of the last remaining, legion of boomer seattle secondary certainly hasn't been the same although now we got jamal adams there's hope again but uh yes when earl left we our secondary fell into a really bad spot and i don't think that's going to happen with baltimore i i don't think so either it seems like some of their other players at
1: safety have been doing fairly well and you know like like we said or like i said earlier
0: you know thomas didn't have an a ast- a top ten year in Baltimore. I don't you think, think you know he actually had less interceptions, and I know that's just one stat line. But he had less interceptions last year in Baltimore than he did in his four game season with Seattle. His final year when he got injured, he actually had more interceptions that year. I did not know that. I think the, I, I think he only stat. had he had yeah he had two last year in Baltimore and that season with Seattle. That last one he had three. That's just insane. And then you hear things where the Cowboys who we were talking about earlier as at one point being potential suitors for Earl Thomas were asked about it recently about the possibility and new head coach, Mike McCarthy kind of basically just said that uh, we're fine.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, if Mike McCarthy wasn't coach and they'd stuck with uh, Garrett. Yeah. Jason Garrett. I think there's a potential that he goes there, but I think Mike McCarthy is trying to carve out his own thing there. And, you know, a lot of people say, like, oh, he's just going to be like Jason Garrett. He's just going to be a mouthpiece for Jerry Jones, more or less. I I don't think so, because he, you know, despite how he ended his career with Green Bay, you got to remember, he is, he's a Super Bowl winning coach.
0: Yeah, well, and this is maybe just coming from a point of personal, well, that's everything we do here is our personal stance, but uh, (laughs) he, Jason Garrett is a, he's a, he's not a good coach. Like he's not a good decision maker, which is why I agree with you. If he was still there, he'd probably take Earl with open arms. But yeah, yeah. Cowboys fans, if you're listening, Mike McCarthy is going to do better things for you than Jason Garrett ever did, I promise. So the Cowboys have said no to the whole Thomas possibility. And I believe there was another team. I, For the life of me, don't know which one it was, but I thought two teams were asked about it. They both kind of said the same thing. That's not to say I don't think he's – I don't think he's going to be at home twiddling his thumbs this season. I think he'll go somewhere. I think someone will be needing a solid secondary guy bad enough where they'll be willing to risk the locker room stuff. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you can see the kind of effect this has, too, on teams that aren't even involved. They don't want to get involved, and you can't blame them. But Yeah, I think what might end up with Earl Thomas is kind
1: of a Cam Newton situation where he just goes for so long – not being signed where a team might just get him for a deal. You know, he, Thomas might not like it, but it might be just the way it goes. Yeah, it
0: might be his only option to play.
1: <laughs> he, might, he might have ended up just, you know, losing himself money, basically. Like we said, he, he's not a bad player. You no, know, he's got years left in
0: him. I don't know what team's going to take a chance. Uh, someone will. Someone desperate yep. enough will. I don't think it'll be the Buccaneers, and I'm certainly fine with that. I don't think Seattle would give it round two. After
1: no, I the think, way things uh, ended, but I
0: don't know. I think know.
1: he burnt his, I think he burnt his bridge and the whole road leading back to the Seahawks.
0: Yeah, so I'm, I'm honestly okay with that. It's kind of feeling like a bullet dodged now. It really is. Well, if you've got nothing more on that, yeah. Uh, speaking of crazy situations, <laughs> the theme of today's episode, ladies and gentlemen, is. People losing their jobs, for better or worse. <laughs> and this third one will be no different. The uh, Let's just start with the little cliff note that we, at least myself I know, was horribly wrong in my NBA prediction last week when we had our guest Ryan on. I said that I was really intrigued by the Boston Celtics and Philadelphia 76ers series. I thought it was going to be hard fought and evenly matched. Boy, was I incorrect. The Celtics swept (laughs) the Sixers with ease, so much ease, that a couple days later, maybe not even a day later it was, Philadelphia fired their head coach, Brett Brown, who had been with the team for seven seasons. I think, personally, that that was a very – incorrect and stupid decision. Justin, can I tell you why? Yes, please inform me why. All right. Last I checked and I know that this is how it works in sports. The team doesn't perform. It doesn't matter whose fault it actually is. The coach is the one that takes the heat. So I get that that's how this works. And this was no different. The Sixers completely underperformed in the playoffs this year. And Brett Brown, paid the price, but Brett Brown was not the one that got injured. That was Ben Simmons. And of course it's nobody's fault when they get injured. So without Ben Simmons, and I remember our guest Ryan, last week said it's really hard to pick any team to win a playoff series or do well when they're down one of their best players, which the 76ers were. And I know they still had Joel Embiid and he, He tried his hardest, but you cannot fault really anybody for that situation. And Ben Simmons, even when he did play, great defender, but just horrid from beyond the arc, just historically bad shooting threes. And the NBA now is such an offense production-driven league where it kind of baffles me that they went after him in the first place anyway. But that that leads me to – the Sixers' recent front office flub-ups. In 2017, in the draft, they held the third overall pick, which by almost every prediction and mock draft had them landing Jason Tatum, who now plays for the Boston Celtics that just swept the Sixers. They traded up in that draft to the number one overall pick to grab Markel Foltz there was a lot of hype around coming out of Washington. And do you want to know what uh, Markel Fultz did for the Sixers? I would love to know. He played one season for them. Well, one season and then a little bit of another one. He had a pretty bad shoulder injury that hampered his shooting. Uh, He lost his starting position to Jimmy Butler in the 2018-19 season, and now he plays for the Orlando Magic. Sounds about right. Your number one overall pick. Brett Brown didn't do that. Brett Brown didn't trade up. And take that risk. Speaking of Jimmy Butler, he came over. He was supposed to be the next big thing in Philadelphia to help, help them over the top, pair him up with Joel Embiid. Uh, do you want to know where Jimmy Butler is now? Where is Jimmy Butler now, Jared? He is also moving on to the second round of the playoffs with the Miami Heat, who also swept in their series. Oh, I see, I see. He didn't last very long in Philadelphia either. Not Brett Brown's fault. Then let's get into some mega deals that they gave some of their more average talent. Tobias Harris, he's a solid defender. Here are his numbers, his career numbers. He averages 6.1 rebounds per game, five blocks, seven steals. And then on the offensive side, about 16 points, solid numbers. Would you like to know what his contract is? I do, but as a teacher, I think it's going to depress me. Five years, $180 million. That's a lot of money. Al Horford, another okay defender, 8.3 rebounds per game, 1.2 blocks, eight steals, and almost 14 points. Again, would you like to know his contract? Yes, I would. Four years, $109 million. Between those two guys, for the next almost half decade, the 76ers are shelling out. Almost $300 million on, I would say, average talent. Brett Brown is not in charge of those decisions. So how do those salaries compare to
1: players that lead the league in those positions?
0: Your top defenders? Yeah. Well, off the top of my head, I don't know the actual numbers, but if you're talking your top defenders, you have guys like Steven Adams in Oklahoma City, Rudy Gobert in Utah, Giannis with the Bucks. So I just googled it. It looks like Rudy Gobert signed a 4-year
1: 102 million dollar contract with the Utah Jazz. So no, run by me again what their
0: those two guys contracts was? 180 million and 109 million. So actually that's less, wow, than both Horford and uh, to Harris are making. Those are decisions, people, that are made in the front office, not from the sideline. Brett Brown did not do that. That's going to hurt the team for years to come. And when they went and got Markel Fultz by trading up, it's just like the NFL draft. Think about it. If a team trades up to the number one overall pick, even if they're jumping just two spots, think of how much they're giving up to do that Mm -hmm. and a huge risk they're taking. And, like I said, they could have stayed at third. They could have got Jason Tatum. So, those, those have been better off. Yeah. Then let's look at how new Sixers coaches have fared in recent years. The last four 76ers head coaches, starting in 2005 with Maurice Cheeks all the way up till now. In his first season, Maurice Cheeks had a losing record of 38 and 44. He coached there until 2009. He never had a winning record. Then there was Eddie Jordan, who coached the 2009-10 season. His record was 27-55. and He was fired after one season. Then there was Doug Collins, who took over in 2010, and he coached until 2013. Doug Collins, it took him two seasons to get a winning record. His first year, he was an even 500. And then there was Brett Brown, who started in 2013. His first season, 19-63. and Awful. And it took him five seasons to get a winning record. But when he did, the Sixers have been to the playoffs three years in a row. And I get it. This is a results-driven league. And after a while, yeah, you need to start winning. But here's the thing. My whole point is going to come back to this. Last year in the 2018-2019 playoffs, let's set the scene. Round two, game seven in Toronto against the eventual champion Raptors. The game is tied 90 to 90 seconds are ticking off the clock. The Sixers have a chance to pull off the upset and to go to the Eastern conference finals. And any basketball fan knows what's going to happen next. Kawhi Leonard gets the ball. He's going to travel on the outside of the perimeter. He's going to put up a prayer as the buzzer goes off and it's going to bounce, not one, not new two, not three, but four times off the rim. And it's going to roll in the right way because the basketball gods smiled on Toronto and knocks Philadelphia out of the playoffs in the second round in the latest possible moment. It could happen. If Kawhi Leonard's shot rolls a half an inch in any other direction and falls out, that thing goes to overtime who knows what happens if Philadelphia wins, if they move on to the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't think we're having this discussion at all right now, quite honestly. I don't think Brett Brown's job would have been in jeopardy the way it was if they went further in the playoffs last year, and ultimately that came down to you know the angle of the role of a basketball. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I don't have any personal dog in this fight. Uh, I'm a Trailblazers fan. I, I really don't care at the end of the day what goes on with the 76ers organization even I can look at this from an objective standpoint and say Brett Brown has brought this team more success recently in really the last decade and a half than it's seen he's like I said coming in off three trips to the playoffs and granted this year's showing was not great to fire the guy I just don't think it was I don't think it was the right move. And I think that this is something that's going to hurt them down the road because, yeah, they still have talented guys like Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, but now they're going to have to learn an entire new coaching scheme, you know, whoever they end up going with. And I think if you want to blame anybody, start looking at the front office. And it's something that I think needs to happen a lot more of in sports in general. I agree. Uh, you know the front office is what builds these teams and makes the you know makes these decisions. Uh, you know so the
1: head coach is there to do that. He's there to coach. Yeah. He's able to advise on certain decisions. You know if you look at coaches in the NFL, they definitely get a a big say in who the organization drafts, but they are not the end all be
0: all. Yeah, and I As would argue the front office and GM. I would argue that they get more of a say in the NFL. I think than mm-hmm. maybe they do in the NBA. I uh, would agree you know, baseball is such a GM driven league as it should be, because that's who's building the teams, but that they're never the face usually, you know? So I think if Sixers fans should be upset with anybody, look to Elton Brand in the front office. I I mean, I just, it's just Mm -hmm. another example of the coach taking the heat for stuff that isn't necessarily his fault. Now am I going to sit here and tell you that Brett Brown is a world-class coach? No, no because i don't think he is but i don't think he deserved to be fired
1: for this from what it sounds like to me he helped a team crawl out of utter mediocrity mediocrity is the nice word but to being able to contend with the toronto raptors in their championship season
0: yeah and almost knock them out
1: and almost knock them out and they were a dang good team
0: yeah, and they still are, obviously. They are,
1: they are. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they win again this
0: year. And, and, and this is no disrespect to this year's Celtics either. Because no, not at all. they're obviously a really, really good team too. And I speaking of coaches, I think they have one of the more bright coaches in the league too. Yeah. I think a lot of times, like you were saying, the coaches catch the heat for things that aren't
1: necessarily their fault. And you see in other – in, on other teams, coaches that definitely should be getting fired, Cough Cough
0: Texans. Oh, Bill O'Brien is
1: a whole Another
0: so story. We'll get into that at some point. I'm oh, sure. believe me. I'm sure this is – I have some words to say about Bill O'Brien. You could slap a headset on a potato and the Texans would probably do better. <laughs> but, uh, I, yeah. Yeah, just, I just – sorry, again, go ahead. I, again, I don't have any personal – you know one way or another investment in the philadelphia 76ers but it's easy to recognize when a coach has been the subject of you know this was i feel very much a let's we the organization felt like they had to do something after the poor showing in the playoffs this year they had to justify it to their fans so yeah exactly so they fire brett brown and do people honestly think it's going to be better next year when you're starting with a new guy who's going to come in with probably a new system no they're basically heading back into rebuild mode which they've already been in
1: and are yeah. just you're going to slide back to mediocrity and well you know, i can't help draw but draw some some similarities to other teams in other leagues where you know like for example the cleveland browns they are the king of firing coaches before they should oh they're real trigger happy um yeah, get into that another time too. But they, for a long time, were also very much, you know, doing crazy things in the draft for players that ultimately were busts. And, you know, nothing is a given in any sport in the first round. There's players that you're like, oh
0: my gosh, we need to have him. And it just is a bust. Yeah. Well, and there's just things in general that aren't a given where – injuries like I said no I mean Ben Simmons and when they had Markel Colts, and that's really no one's fault injuries just it's part of what happens but yeah it it happens in every sport you see it time and time again the team underperforms to fan expectations or to you know front office expectations and the coach will be the one that takes the heat for it
1: and I think a lot of times too going not to not drag it back to the draft i just had another point to make about it but i think a lot of times people are like oh man we got a bum in the first round of the draft that's going to cripple us for the next two years well maybe that's true but a lot of times those teams are very greedy on who they take instead of taking someone who's a more safer option yeah um maybe someone that shores up a position and can be a starter next year rather than a we need them to start right now and win with
0: us. Yeah, and I'm not trying um, to rag on guys like Markel Fultz, who did have a lot of hype coming out of college. I think he's still a very talented basketball player, obviously. Yeah, But there were things that happened outside of anyone anyone's control, yeah. let alone Brett Brown. And obviously it is –
1: neither Jared or I co- – well, I, I clearly coach. Yeah, you can
0: come but from a coach's standpoint.
1: Neither of us – coach at a professional or even a semi-professional level.
0: Hey, I think I refereed for like fifth grade basketball tournament (laughs) once. So I have been around, I know what's up, but you
1: know, running a team is very hard. You have to, you know, manage skill. You have to manage the locker room. There's a lot that goes on. Yeah. And putting a team together is very tough. Look at Michael Jordan's stint as a manager. It, one of the greatest to play the games.
0: It's a whole a different horrible,
1: side horrible team manager.
0: Or exactly. gen, I think he was general manager. So. Yeah. With the, with, well, he's part owner of the uh, Hornets too, I believe. Yeah. Um, but, but he, you know, he was like, this is the guy I want on a lot of things. And it just, it didn't turn out good. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know who Philadelphia is going to go with. I really haven't even heard names floated around. It's still very early, but I can tell you this. You can put me on record saying I think the Philadelphia 76 are going to have a worse season next year than they had in any of these last three with uh, Brett Brown at the helm. I agree. I don't think they make the playoffs next year. Yeah. Well, in the East is weird. The East is so wide open. It seems like it's not nearly as competitive by and large as the West. So they could sneak into the eight seed, as you know, sub 500 team. But Yeah, that's true. But I don't know. It's just, it but was if they a, sneak in, they're not a. They're not going to be a quality team. No, and they're probably going to get swept again, and then they'll fire another coach. Yeah, and I don't want to sit here and say that they were necessarily trigger happy this situation because Brett Brown, like I said, he has been there seven years. I think you have got to look at when the success came, and the success came most recently. So it felt like they were. You've got to look at
1: those results. He said, you know, he started off with an abysmal record in 2013, and the last, you know, has been slowly building until the last three years they made it to the playoffs. Yeah, and they had a, an excellent showing last year. You know, not an excellent showing this year, and I don't know how they did the first year they made the playoffs. But... Uh,
0: they also lost in the second round in 2017-18. Yeah, that. So was... they've
1: had some pretty good you know, exponential growth until, until this year, they had a little slide back. Yeah. You know, and I guess I'm coming at it as a point from a teacher, you know, if, if someone is showing growth and has a slide back, you help nurture
0: them and get them back on track. You don't just cut them loose. Yeah. Well, and maybe look at the situations surrounding it, which may have resulted in that slide back. Not only do you have the injury to Ben Simmons, like I was talking about, but oh, yeah, COVID happened, and everything that was thrown on top of that in the sports world, and I, I get it, all the other teams down there in Orlando had to deal with the same, you know, kind of upending of their daily lives, but you just, I don't know. I, I feel like I've sufficiently given my thoughts on that. Yeah. And, and I, bet, I bet he'll end up somewhere as either an assistant or hopefully still a head coach because I still think he has that talent.
1: I agree. I think he'll end up somewhere.
0: So I don't know. Sixers fans, I hope you're happy. I hope uh, I hope you're looking forward to another couple years of mediocrity and missing the playoffs and I can good, tell you it's not a fun place to be. Good luck. So I feel like I've sufficiently gotten everything off my chest. Was there any other sports <laughs> things you wanted to touch on real quick before we wrap up for everybody?
1: Ooh, I don't think so. Um you know, I I think we covered the big stuff right now. Um, I will say we're going to have our fantasy football episode coming out next week, I believe. With a couple special
0: guests for you. Yep, we, it'll be a
1: very confusing episode. And we won't all.
0: tell you why. You'll find out. You have to listen.
1: Yeah, it's like Christmas. You got to wait. Yep. But I'm very excited for that episode. I love fantasy football. I love football in general. We
0: just got the old league revamped and up and running again. Yeah. Year number four of our league. Uh, let's get it out of the way now. Justin's the defending champ. I am. I am. He beat, he beat yours truly in the championship last year. I will never
1: let you live down. When we drafted last year, you're like, Justin drafted a terrible team. He sucks. You you didn't say it like that, but you were like,
0: I don't think your team's very good. I, yeah, I was honest. And hey, we were both in the championship last year. Let's put it this way. There's there's eight other guys in our league who finished below us. So they have no room to talk.
1: Yep. I do feel bad because in that game, you were really struggling. I don't remember who your other receiver was, but one of them was Juju Smith-Schuster. Oh God! And you're like, do I play Juju, or do I play? I... play... I... Who's your other receiver? I don't even remember. I'll I'll and, try to look it up. But we, can... yeah. it wouldn't have mattered anyway. But I'm like, I think you go with Juju. I think he's
0: more solid, and he just had an abysmal game. Oh, he just. I do feel bad about that. Oh, I mean, you know, it's fantasy. It happens. We'll get into all that next week. You can hear all of our woes and celebrations (laughs) and all of our thoughts. Yeah. I'm super
1: excited. I love talking fantasy football.
0: Oh, we got a lot to talk about and we hopefully are going to have the right guys on to talk about it with us. One of them will, he's in the league with us. So yes, sir. All right. Well, well, yeah. Thank you everybody for uh, tuning in to episode five. Like I said, sorry, we had no guest on this week. Uh, We don't really know anyone who's an expert on people losing their jobs. So we thought we would just take it. (laughs) And uh, we hope to see you for episode six, our fantasy football special next Thursday. We publish every Thursday, find us on Spotify, iTunes, check us out, give us a follow, find us on Twitter at the expansion BU one. That's the number one. We'd love to hear from you guys. Thank you everybody for tuning in. Always remember. Party like it's 1976.